I just want to say that you have got to be the most insipid, ridiculously idiotic, moronic person I've ever heard on any form of media. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 15 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. It's only November 17th, and it's already beginning. The day is here earlier and earlier, so it seems. We're not even past Thanksgiving yet. It's that day that a lot of people in the radio business dread. That day that, frankly, a lot of radio listeners dread. I think you all know what I'm talking about, right? Yep, here we go. Might as well just put it on. Might as well just wrap our arms around it and embrace it. Here we go. The continuous Christmas music format has started here in the Phoenix area. One of our radio stations rolling that out today. I think there's actually two stations in the market that do it. I know KEZ, one of our local adult contemporary stations, they are starting their continuous Christmas format. If you're not familiar, 24-7... Christmas music all the way up until I think midnight Christmas Day or midnight on the 26th of December. So, and it's only the 17th. So, this is like five, six weeks of Christmas music, of holiday music. My mom is going to be ecstatic about it, though. Oh, they're starting the Christmas music now. Oh, I love it. That's just wonderful now, don't you know? Yeah, my mom's happy. The rest of us, not so much. Whenever, so we're going to go out to Thanksgiving dinner next week. I'm sure my mom's going to be the one driving us. Uh, She's the designated driver. And so, of course, that means that uh, in the car, this this is what's going to be on. be lucky if you heard this. It's always just Andy Williams and Bing Crosby and uh, and then it's like Mariah Carey and All I Want for Christmas is You. We might as well just have this on during the show. You might as well get used to it. This is all you're going to hear for five or six weeks. You're going to have that guy in the neighborhood that sets up the Christmas display that has um, that has uh, the, the Christmas music that goes along with it and the lights dance to the music and all that sort of thing. You know you're going to have that. My neighborhood, we're pretty lucky in the sense that most of the people around here don't do that. Most of the people here uh, barely even put up Christmas lights for some reason. I don't know. This is, it used to be, we had um, neighbors. We had uh, these uh, wonderful lesbian couple. They were awesome people and they would, um, Man, they would decorate their house for everything. They had a big Halloween display they'd put up every year, and it got more and more elaborate. They even had, like, Thanksgiving stuff. They'd put out turkeys, and they'd have all this stuff just sitting out, like, colors and all this. And then for Christmas, they'd do the same thing. They'd have, like, a partial 
light manger scene. And they'd have like, they'd have all this stuff just decked out on the lawn on their house. And it was fine. I mean, living next door to it, I didn't care. It's just that it was, it was fantastic. But um, nobody else in the, on the block bothered it. Like, you know, one or two other houses had like a string of lights up maybe. And you never wanted to be the people that were, uh, you know, just living next door to them because like, oh, what's wrong with that guy? He doesn't have any lights up. So then you put up like a string of lights around your window and uh, people then really, you might as well just have nothing because it's better to do nothing than to look like the lame house next door that has Oh, you've got one string of lights up. Uh, you just don't like Jesus. You don't like Christmas. You don't like giving. You're like Starbucks. So you have to deal with that. But anyway, um, it's just that time of year. I, I don't know. I, I Man, 20-something years ago, I was over the whole Christmas music thing. When I was a kid, I was way into it. I, I loved every second of it. Because you're a kid. You don't have to worry about going out and Christmas shopping. Or if you do, you just do, you know, you just spend your, you take some of your allowance money and go over there. And um, because when I was a kid, it was just, you know, you heard all the same songs. And it was fine, though, because you hadn't heard them 50 times yet. You weren't some crotchety old person. And believe me, I feel like the crotchety old guy at 37 who has heard all the Christmas music. And I just... I, I try to avoid it. Last year, was gr- I really went out of my way to avoid hearing it. Whenever I went out to a mall or when I went out someplace, I brought headphones with me or earphones or earbuds. Whatever I had to do, I'd stuck whatever in my earplugs, uh, just take pieces of paper and put them in my ears, gouge my eardrums out for a couple of weeks, whatever I had to do so that I didn't have to hear the Christmas music because, I mean, how many different... Times and how many different versions of Frosty the Snowman can you possibly endure? That's what I don't understand about the Christmas music format and how it works on these radio stations is that people will listen to literally 10 different versions of Winter Wonderland. Do you hear what I hear or whatever? My Christmas library here, let me see if we have anything else. Well, yeah, we got, we have a limited library because back when I programmed um, stations and I, I used to run KMGX and all those other stations that I did, um, we did sprinkle in for a few years, we sprinkled in some Christmas music every couple of hours into the regular format. And I think we did a couple of years in a row, we did a Christmas music marathon on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, which I'm still kind of okay with, you know, on the actual holiday itself. It's just by the time you get there, you're burned out. I remember it was about 12 years ago. I, I, I will never forget this date. It was it was October the 3rd. I walk into a Walgreens um, and they've got Christmas music on. They have their, hol- their, their Halloween stuff up, but they also have Christmas stuff out in this Walgreens. It's, I'm like, the, I, I look at the people working. I'm like, it's October 3rd. They go, we know this isn't our call. Uh, we just have to put up with it. This isn't, this isn't our deal. You're not even hearing this kind of music in there, though. You're hearing Muzak versions, the instrumental, you know, piano versions of these things, generally. People in the radio business hate this, too, because the ratings for a lot of their, uh, for a lot of the other stations that aren't doing the Christmas format, they go down for like a month. And basically, 
the other radio stations don't even count those numbers when they go to advertisers and say, hey, advertise with us. Oh, what are your ratings like? Oh, they're like this. Oh, what, what happened this month? What happened December? Oh, that's when the Christmas format is on the other station and it takes everybody else's listeners. And the same thing happened in online radio, too. There were people that would switch to uh, the Christmas format. And people eat that up, man. I'm trying to see what else we have in our... <laughs> there's, there's so many bad Christmas songs. I'm just... And then, of course, every year, you have those artists that come up with new songs. They have their different... Um, they don't just do the traditional Christmas carols. They come up with their own original Christmas music. But most of the time, it's just kind of hokey. And and listen, I'm a hokey, sensitive, sentimental guy as much as the next person. Probably even more so. But this is just something that I have a hard time with. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. The Pointer Sisters. All right. If I hear the Bruce Springsteen version of this uh, one more time, I swear, someone is going to get a Christmas ornament shoved right up their ass. See, I I love being around the family. I love the... Every year in my family, we do the same thing. We hang out at the house... Uh, Christmas Eve and we just have some like hors d'oeuvres and some small stuff you know some snack kind of foods finger foods and that kind of thing maybe some soup or maybe some you know some kind of something maybe not nothing real not a really heavy full meal necessarily um, and drinks and that kind of thing we open up gifts late at night and then Christmas Day we go out for a nice dinner someplace and yeah, I'm just going to play Christmas music because we, we, you have to embrace it just as much as I do. You're going to be out in it. I'm going to be out in it. Let's be honest. This is the kind of stuff we're going to hear everywhere. So that's what we do. We just, and the same uh, Thanksgiving, we go out. I don't have the traditional uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Um, I don't. I don't remember the last time uh, I was with a girlfriend one year, and we went over to like her brother's place for Thanksgiving. But other than that, the last time I had a traditional home cooked Thanksgiving dinner, probably it's been at least seventeen or eighteen years. Because we started going out probably ninety eight, ninety nine. To, uh, to, for Thanksgiving dinner because it's not that I, I think my mom likes to cook that stuff but it's the cleanup and it's all the leftovers and eating leftover turkey for two weeks just to get ready for another round of it at Christmas time it just seems a little bit much plus who doesn't who doesn't really object to just having somebody else cook for you and going out to a nice meal someplace so we're going out to like Italian uh, for Thanksgiving which I'm I'm totally okay with. This is really one of the worst versions of this song. (laughs) 
I know all of you are going to hate me now. I'm going to get hate mail and hate comments about this. Although I know there's going to be somebody that goes, I really like it when you uh, when you play Christmas music. Somebody's going to say that. You know that that's going to happen. Boy, I really liked the Christmas music when you were talking about it. I'm not hating on the holiday. The part that stresses me out is the buying stuff for people. The togetherness and the family and, and happiness and love and joy and all that. That's great. The stress is just the part that bothers me. The stress and the Christmas music. That's the only part I don't like. All right. Well, on that note, and I know I'm going to hear this uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. You're going to hear that. The Paul McCartney thing again and Band-Aid. Um, and you're going to hear. Yeah, here we go. We're going to hear this. Yep. So you just have to get ready for it. I'm just, I'm listening to it now just so I know it's there. And that's just it. We're, we're getting it out of our system now because you know you're going to have to endure it. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> that's as much as I can take. All right. Well, anyway, welcome in. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. It is November the 17th, believe it or not. No, it's not Christmas Eve. It's November 17th, 2015. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. It is groffshow at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address, of course. That's also our PayPal address for your generous contributions to this show. You want us to stop playing Christmas music, send money. Um, What else? Uh, Michael Groff, the handle on Twitter, and michaelgroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. Uh, while you're at michaelgroff.com, you can, of course, always listen to our shows that are up there, the archives, and you can leave your comments about any of the shows that you're listening to. But you can also subscribe, sign up, put in your email address, and we will send you email notifications every time a brand new edition of this program is posted. We do not spam you. Uh, we do not send you special offers. We don't even solicit you for donations, except on the show, of course. I should probably start doing that, but no, we actually protect your privacy and we keep your email address nice and secret, except just to send you notifications when brand new shows are posted. That is all part of the one and only michaelgroff.com. Well, I see that in the wake of the terror attacks in France, I guess uh, several government officials and intelligence agencies around the world have finally found somebody that they can blame for all of this. And I guess we should have seen this one coming. The person that everyone seems to be pointing the finger at for these attacks in Paris and for the rise of ISIS is, of course, none other than Edward Snowden. You had to know that was going to happen, right? The former NSA contractor, the guy that brought us a lot of information about some of the seedy things that the government was up to, including the domestic spying, the data collection, and all of the other underhanded stuff that was going on. Well, Edward Snowden is now apparently going to be the fall guy for yet another thing that has happened, at least according to some government agencies and intelligence officials. Uh, Everybody, even all the way down to the mayor of London, Boris Johnson, he says that Edward Snowden effectively taught terrorists how to avoid detection. Uh, It's just the most maddening thing you're going to read today. Uh, so now Edward Snowden is the reason that ISIS attacked Paris, or he's he's the main culprit. He is, uh, because of Edward Snowden, these terrorists knew how to avoid getting caught. Uh, 
They knew about the... He he unlocked these big secrets like, hey, the government listens to cell phone conversations. And, oh, just so you know, they're also monitoring the Internet. That was apparently something that terrorists didn't know before. So, Edward Snowden, it's your fault, bud. And now we really have to make sure that we get you in here because it's because of you that ISIS has really rose to prominence and has been avoiding uh, any sort of detection by the CIA, the FBI, uh, uh, the official English intelligence, uh, French intelligence, the Israeli intelligence forces, all these other people. Uh, it's because of you. That's why. I, again, this just tells me that they have absolutely no idea. They have no clue. Uh, these intelligence officials across the world and governments, they just need to get an answer out to the people because obviously the people are upset. They're scared. They're fearful. And they're going to say, well, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's people like Edward Snowden that made all of that possible. So blame him. You know, we're not really up to anything. We're just trying to detect terrorists out there. And we're not going to tell you how we do it. Of course, we've told you how a hundred times. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're, we don't get into specifics of how we do it. I mean, what kind of specifics do you need? Apparently, one of the methods that these guys may have used... I was reading about this today, too, is that they may have actually used uh, things like the PlayStation 4 and gotten onto various games and used the chat system within uh, the PlayStation 4, uh, the PlayStation Network, gone on to video games themselves and shot messages into walls using guns or, you know, used uh, creative uh, ways to design uh, patterns uh, in inside video games to communicate their strategies for terrorism so i saw that today that's kind of an interesting way to go about it. and of course that's very hard to detect so that's something that uh, obviously the fbi or the cia that's going to be very hard for them to figure out now they'd have to go in and start playing video games or listening to some of the conversations that people have on video games i have to tell you something if you've ever heard any of those conversations that go on i'm sure you'd be arresting people for hate crimes for threats against a lot of things, including each other and other people. And you should hear some of the things that people say to each other online or see some of the things that people type. A lot worse than anything ISIS would ever be able to come up with. I can tell you that. It is a cesspool on the internet. Just try to get in some of these gaming communities sometimes. You will see some of the dregs of society and some of the worst things you've ever seen written. Uh, by people. I hope you're not offended very easily because there's some bad stuff that's said in there. Really bad stuff. Probably arresting a lot of people, including many 12-year-olds for acts of terrorism or terroristic threats. That's for sure. All right, the other controversy that's going uh, right now is not only across Europe, because of course we've heard in Europe a lot of citizens are over there protesting they don't want to see any more of these syrian refugees headed their way and they want some immigration controls put in place that sounds kind of familiar but now here in the united states citizens are demanding that we take a look at our immigration policies and we have to look at our handling of syrian refugees now syria is a terrible place to be right now it is war-torn it is in civil war there are Many groups, there's uh, that King Assad, there's uh, ISIS, there's these other terrorist organizations and these various rebel forces, and there's all sorts of 
badness going on over there. And this is just another reason why we can't start picking sides arbitrarily because, let's be honest, neither side or none of the sides involved in that conflict are exactly holier than thou and something that we should get behind. But I think the U.S. is kind of sort of going to get involved anyway. Uh, But anyway, so people are naturally fleeing from that country as fast as possible, and you can't blame them. The problem is not only are people, our citizens, innocent civilians fleeing that country, but terrorists are fleeing that country as well. And that's where at least some of these people that blew themselves up and gunned down a bunch of people in France last week, uh, that's where a lot of these folks came from. At least so it is believed. And this is obviously a concern, and it is so much a concern that we don't know everyone that's coming over, and we don't necessarily have a vetting process for all of the people that are leaving Syria, that governors in 26 states across the country have said no to Syrian refugees. Now, I don't know exactly how you can say no, and I don't know exactly how you can keep them out of your state, but governors, 26 states have said no, and those include Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, Idaho, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Wisconsin. All have said no. That's 25 Republican governors and one Democrat governor who have all expressed uh, a lot of trepidation, a lot of concern about going forward with this Syrian refugee program. The problem is how it's a federal program. It's something that's set up. The president is saying, well, you don't really have a choice. I mean, this is something we have to do. This is the weird part. Do we really have to take in all of these refugees? I understand. I know you're going to say, well, it's the right thing to do. And these are people that are just trying to flee a war-torn country. We can't just send them back. Yeah, but we don't know who is coming in here. We don't know that. We don't know what the intent of every single person is that's coming into the United States. There has to be some type of process. There has to be some type of means that we can monitor this sort of thing, right? And I want to find the quote here. I do see that President Obama says that we have a responsibility here in the United States to take in these refugees. This is something that is just inherently part of the U.S. This is something we need to do. And I I still hearken back to what I was talking about on the show yesterday. And that is, I don't understand how we can just be so focused on taking in refugees from other countries and taking care of these people when we have so many people that are homeless in our country, so many children that are starving, so many people that are underemployed, so many people that are uninsured, so many people that don't, that have healthcare issues, so many people that are undereducated as well. And we are going to suddenly say to those people, yeah, well, right now we need to help other people. We need to help people from another country. You're not as important as these people. You might be an American citizen. Well, that's tough. These are people that are a little, they have a little bit more pressing matters right now than you. And I thought that we were supposed to, uh, at least the president and people in government were supposed to uphold, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States and its citizens. And I don't know. It seems a little bit weird that this is a priority that we're taking. And don't get me wrong. Don't think I'm being callous and cold here. Don't think I don't care about people that are suffering and people that are just trying to get away from a terrible situation. Because I do sympathize, I understand, 
I care. My heart goes out to them. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I really cannot. But I also can't imagine what people in this country are feeling who have who are living in terrible conditions and would just like to be taken care of as well. And they see our government taking care of people from elsewhere. And I don't know, it's a tough situation. There's no question. Meanwhile, Russia, their security chief says that an act of terror was what brought down Russian flight, uh, the Russian A321 airliner in Egypt last month, killing all 224 people on board. Quote, traces of foreign explosives were found on debris from the Airbus plane. FSB chief Alexander Bortnikov uh, told Russian President Vladimir Putin. Putin vowed to find and punish those behind the attack over the Sinai Peninsula. So, let's see. Nearly all of the dead were Russians. Bortnikov said that a bomb had been planted on board the plane, equivalent to one kilogram of TNT. Let's see. The bomb shattered the plane midair on October the 31st, quote, which explains the wide dispersal of fuselage pieces. So, they have conducted their investigation. They have concluded that that was what brought down the plane. Explosives. An act of terrorism. And you know that Vladimir Putin isn't going to be sitting down for this. And I know that there's going to be radical consequences for that. And I, I have a feeling that Russia is going to just send troops in there and there's going to be some bombing. And people are talking about this like this could be sort of uh, uh, the setting of World War Three. And I don't know if I'd go that far, but there is something to be said for the idea that Suddenly, nations that are sort of at odds with one another or that may have had some uneasy relations over the past couple of decades, for example, the United States and Russia, who have had a sort of tense camaraderie, uh, suddenly will band together and then get involved with the European Union, France and the United Kingdom and Germany. And all of these people are going to be like, well, we have to do something about this terrorism bullcrap. And we know that there's a lot of these countries that are friendly or neutral to terrorists and just sort of harbor them. Or even if they're not directly harboring them or offering them sanctuary, there are countries that say, yeah, they might be here and they might not. We'll handle it internally. Stay out. Which basically says, yeah, we probably know they're here. And maybe if we feel like it, we'll look for them. But don't you dare set foot in our country or we'll kill you. And the problem is Russia doesn't really like that attitude. Russia doesn't really care. You can tell they don't care. They'll attack their own former Soviet states. They will attack neighboring nations. They do not care. Russia, you think the United States is imperialist. No, no, no. Russia does not care. Russia will go in there and they will say, well, we want to find, uh, yes, we are going to find exactly who did this. We do not care. We will bomb country. You have 24 hours turn over all terrorists or we just blow you into smithereens. We take your country, we turn into crater. You know, <laughs> make into big golf course. Big uh, 500,000 hole golf course. Don't worry. That's what they'll do. The Russians do not care. You thought United, the United States and President Bush was a cowboy? Oh yeah, we went in there. We went into Iraq and Afghanistan. We went in there. We lied to our own people. 
we went in under false pretenses. The, the the Russians won't go in under false pretenses. They'll just say, yeah, we're going in. We don't care. We are going in. Do not care. We crush you like bug. Not not a big deal. And that's how it happens. So this could be something, you know, if you have enough of a united front here, uh, this could be something that leads to then uh, a resistance from the Middle East. Maybe they go, um, we don't really want you here. Yeah, well, tough. And then that's where things get ugly. You know what I'm really worried about is if that all gets started, you know what's going to happen? The price of uh, gas goes way up again. See, I always just look at how does this affect me and people I know and care about? How does this affect people in this country? And how it affects us is price of gas goes up, price of everything else goes up. So hopefully we can just get some cooperation and hopefully we can get this taken care of. But again, as I talked about yesterday, it's way more complicated than all that. Because you're not fighting a country. You're fighting an idea. You're fighting a religious sect. You are fighting an ultra-radical group of people that do not have a flag or a uniform. And they are scattered all over the place. And it will be very, very difficult to weed them out. And not only that, but then you have to, you have to worry about weeding them out and not offending other people and pissing off other people that belong to that religious group and making them feel persecuted. Because if you start to f make Muslims feel like they're being persecuted, God news for you, there's about 1.5 billion of them across the globe. And then you have a real problem. Worse than terrorism. Then you are fighting something that's a uniform and a flag and an idea simultaneously. Good luck with that. That's trouble. All right. Well, on that happy note, we'll uh, take a break. And that's that's your update on what's happened today. And uh, I certainly hope that they find this other person. They're still on the manhunt for this eighth suspect, I guess. So they're trying to hunt that person down. We'll see what uh, comes of that. And we'll keep you updated on everything that's going on with that. Meantime, a lot of other stuff to get into Got some stupid things to talk about. Maybe we'll take a look at the pop chart. We haven't done that in a while. I don't know. We'll see what's happening in music. Maybe it's not even worth getting into. We'll see. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. It's the torturous journey through the mind of a madman. Prove to yourself what scientific tests prove. You're listening to the Michael Groff Show. The faces all around me They don't smile, they just crack Waiting for our ship to come But our ship's not coming back We're doing time like pennies in a jar What are we saving for?
every other day, there's a new study out about how something is going to kill you. And it's usually coffee. The last two or three weeks, I've read four or five different stories about how, oh, coffee's good for you. You know, it might uh, help prevent cancer. Oh, but wait a minute. It might also lead to a higher risk of heart attack. But just so you know, it may also prevent strokes. Uh, But if you have three cups of coffee a day, your leg very well could fall off. Uh, But that's okay because it's also... uh, it's good for your colon. I don't I don't get it. It's like every other day there's something new. This was just like back in the 80s and 90s how there was always a different study out about eggs. Oh, well, eggs have good cholesterol, but uh, they could also lead to excessive fat and, uh, well, you know, calories, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just one of those things. Well, the egg... The egg whites are okay. The yolks aren't. Well, actually, the yolks are still okay. You just can't have them excessively. Well, you can have as many as you want. Well, now you can't. I don't know. So, figure it out. We'll just do with this information what you want, all right? There is a study out that says that, a new study that says coffee may actually help your longevity. Yes, you could live longer because of your daily coffee habit. One or two cups a day. Anyway, according to this, let's see. It says... uh, Quote, in our study, we found people who drink three to five cups of coffee per day had about a 15% lower risk of premature mortality compared to people who drink no coffee. This is according to one study's author, nutrition researcher Walter Willett of the Harvard School of Public Health. Decaf drinkers also saw benefits, incidentally, so it's not just you know, regular coffee. Anyway, quote, the findings published in the journal Circulation build on a body of evidence linking a coffee habit to potential health benefits. As these researchers have found in previous studies, uh, there was, there's been research that has pointed to decreased risk of stroke, and there's some evidence that a coffee habit cuts the risk of type 2 diabetes as well. Now, of course, it's possible to overdo it, and caffeine research has shown that consuming more than 400 milligrams of caffeine can interfere with sleep and create feelings of unease. Some of us are even more sensitive and become jittery after just one very strong cup. One study found that 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is the equivalent of about two cups of coffee, is an optimal amount to enhance uh, cognitive function and mood among sleep-depriving people. Still, some people metabolize things in different ways. And the bottom line is, everyone's a little different. And who knows if these studies are even accurate in the first place. Quote, not everyone reacts to coffee the same way, says Andrew Maynard, who studies risk assessment at Arizona State University. He summarizes the benefits documented in this study as, quote, small. He says that this study does not prove cause and effect between drinking coffee and living longer. Rather, it points to an association. Quote, there are a lot of unknowns as to what may explain the increase in the increase in life expectancy, Maynard says. So there's, again, it's just another study. It says maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Drink your damn coffee and just enjoy it. That's what I do.
I'm going to drink coffee. If there was a study out tomorrow that says, look, if you drink two cups of coffee a day, uh, you will be hit by a bus on Friday. I'd be like, you know what? I'm still going to go ahead and drink those because I don't know. They say a lot of stuff. So I, and so far I don't have type two diabetes. So I guess the coffee must be doing something right. Because I do love a good burger, and I, I guess I feel as long... I can keep eating burgers as long as I drink coffee. And I can keep drinking alcohol because that will help uh, keep my organs nice and embalmed for me. They won't decay. That's my study. That's the Michael Groff Medical Institute. Let's come up with that one. And now, here's something else. And I don't know if you're one of these people that takes office supplies from your workplace staplers and paper clips and pens, pencils, paper, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've worked in an office only a few times uh, in my adult life. I've always kind of been lucky in that regard. But I was never a person that really did that. I, maybe I took a pen here and there, maybe even just inadvertently, but I don't ever remember actively taking stuff from the office and bringing it home. That just kind of seems a little weird. But I know there's some people that even after they've worked at a place for a while and they have a work computer, they don't even return it when they're done. They just, they're like, oh, I got laid off. I'm keeping this work computer as well. This work laptop, it's mine. It's my property, baby. Well, there's another study out that says that American workers are stealing even more than ever from their employers. Employees in the U.S. steal from their employers at significantly higher rates than workers in other countries, according to the Global Retail Theft Barometer which was released this month by Checkpoint Systems. While in most countries, shoplifting makes up the bulk of shrinkage in the U.S., the bulk of shrinkage in a work environment is due to its own employees stealing from their employers. In layman's terms, shrinkage is the difference between the revenue businesses should have received and the revenue that they actually are receiving. And the difference is due in large part, at least in the U.S., to losses from theft from within. Now, in other countries, yeah, shoplifting, fraud, uh, supplier fraud included, vendor fraud, all that. But in the U.S., not so much. Let's see. The U.S., the shrinkage is, let's see, 36% from shoplifting and 43% from... Uh, let's see, 43%, according to this, from uh, employee theft. Well, experts at the Global Retail Theft Barometer say that it's not clear why employee theft in the U.S. is so high, at least compared with other countries. They do have information on how these workers steal from their employers. Most of it happens during checkout, uh, the point of sale, when an, associate, when an associate purposely manipulates a transaction for the benefit of themselves or someone else. So it's not just stealing paper clips and office supplies and stuff. It's people that work at grocery stores that may uh, take home stuff. They're not necessarily shoplifting, but they're, you know, if, if a customer uh, leaves something behind, they'll take it. Or it, this happens at uh, retail outlets, too, with like clothing and stuff. So that's kind of shoplifting. I don't know why they're saying that's not. It's not going into another store. It's stealing from within the company. It's still fraud. But yes, uh, also office supplies and also uh, boxes and, um, and containers and all these other things. People are taking those things too. It all adds up to employee theft costing U.S. retailers, get this, $16.6 billion a year. 
That's $3 billion more than shoplifting cost them in a and about $10 billion more than vendor and supplier fraud. Also more than administrative and non-crime losses. So in other words, things like uh, non-crime losses would be things like natural disasters, floods, or something happens, electrical fires, or those kinds of things uh, that are covered by insurance. That's a little bit different. I can't imagine. This is one of those things, again, I've never done working for any company ever. I have never taken money from anybody or I've never taken supplies or I've never stolen from within the company, never committed any kind of fraud. I'm just I'm a really honest guy when I'm working for people. I believe in doing an honest job for an honest day's pay. And I do. Listen, believe me, I know people that have done that sort of thing. I know people that have stolen from within the company before. And I know how they've done it and why they've done it. They feel some people feel gypped by a company. Some people feel that a company has really screwed them over. And so they're going to counter screw the company and they're going to do things uh, that um, that ultimately hurt the company, which, of course, ultimately may very well hurt themselves in the long run or hurt other people that want to go and shop there and then prices go higher and whatnot. But that's unbelievable number. Sixteen point six billion dollars in employee theft that is insane and uh keeping it in the business theme i see jc penny is doing a little bit better that's one retail outlet that is not struggling at least not nearly as badly as they were this time last year comparable sales numbers are up 6.4 percent when compared to this time last year and uh, they did still post a minor third quarter loss, but their fourth quarter is starting to look a lot better. And they're, of course, hoping for a huge holiday season. And that's one of those things that they're going to turn around. Back in 2013, 2012-ish, I really thought that JCPenney was just going to be yet another one of these retail outlets that went the way of Montgomery Ward. They just go out of business or they go to the online only model, which is what a lot of stores started to do from... Mm, Probably the year 2000 up until recently. I mean, that was just, that's been the trend, especially since 2008. The economy has really hurt a lot of these retail outlets. But um, their CEO, Marvin Ellison, says, quote, the continuation of our strong sales performance this quarter demonstrates ongoing progress toward achieving the company's long-term financial goals. We grew the top line, improved margin, and intensified our expense discipline. That's just fancy way of saying, hey, we're getting better, all right? Uh, they fired that uh, other guy. This is, I think we talked about it maybe back then. I don't know. Ron Johnson, I think, was the guy's name back in 2013. They fired that guy who pretty much ran the company into the toilet. And probably about seven, eight months ago, I was in a JCPenney, and it did seem like it was better. I didn't feel like I was in a thrift store anymore. They actually kind of cleaned it up, and I think they even actually hired people that weren't completely incompetent. So that really helps you to run a place. I bet that they don't have nearly as much employee theft going on there. Probably probably not as much. Uh, let's see. Despite the comparable sales increase, the retailer's stock value dropped another 16% in afternoon trading. And now, let's see. Its total loss was $137 million or $0.47 cents, cents a share after adjustments. 
As Black Friday looms, JCPenney previously reported that they will open their stores at 3 p.m. on Thanksgiving. It's just going to get to a point. Stores are opening earlier and earlier. It was at first they'd wait, you know, they'd open on Friday morning at like 5 a.m. Then it was 3 a.m. Then someplace decided they were going to open at midnight. And then somebody said, Target will not close. We're, we'll stay open. And now I think they're just, I think they're just going to start like Thanksgiving morning. They're going to open at 5 a.m. And they're just going to stay open for 48 consecutive hours or, or 60 consecutive hours or something. They're just going to do one of those things where they just stay open for the whole weekend to try and really capitalize on that. And I know people get upset by that. Uh, this is one of those things, believe it or not, my grandma rants about this. I, why can't they just let those people stay home and why do they have to make them come in and work well you don't have to come in and work just don't work for uh, jc penny don't work for target <laughs> don't work for walmart and that'll pretty much solve that problem uh but i know they they'll make you come in at midnight if you do work for them yeah you might have to go in at midnight and you might have to stay there for a long time because and you might very well get trampled by the crazy customers you know walmart this year as if it's not bad enough, Walmart is introducing Santas into their stores now. They're hiring a bunch of Santas. And I can only imagine what that would be like when you go into that Walmart. As bad as it already is when they have those sales and people trampling each other for TVs, then you add in the fact that you've got your kids with you and everybody wants to get in the Santa line and someone's going to eventually cut in there and someone's going to, you know try to take somebody else's stuff because they got the last whatever the last toy the last gadget and it's going to be a melee i i don't know maybe we ought to start doing a, a tote board you know just like they do with the jerry lewis telethon we ought to put up a tote board of the number of people injured or killed uh starting the holiday season from thanksgiving all the way to christmas and the number of fights the number of brawls that erupt I have never understood those people that do that stuff that not only do they get into fights, but they go and stand in line starting at three o'clock in the morning or whatnot. I've seen it before. I had friends that did it uh, back when the PlayStation 2 came out. I had friends that uh, sat in line for several hours and they had like this uh, ticket system that they did over at Best Buy or whatever. So you basically got handed a ticket and, you know, there was only so many PlayStation 2s and that's all there was. And if you didn't get it, well, you weren't going to be able to get in and get it regardless. I don't know. Maybe they have to have armed guards or something. I don't know. People are animals. It's, it is crazy. And people that have go on these Black Friday things and... Because it's literally five. Oh, it's another 5% discount. And I always say, you know when the best time to really go shopping for stuff is? Is the last weekend before Christmas. So I think Christmas falls on a Friday this year. So if you go on like the Saturday before Christmas, which would be what? The 19th or the 20th, which is a Sunday. If you go on one of those days you're going to get some really great deals because that's the last weekend for retailers to be open and to selling stuff before Christmas. So you know that the big deep discounts that they did on Black Friday 
which I've always chronicled on this show. There's a lot of scams in that too. But anyway, a lot of those discounts that they roll out on Black Friday, they come back with again, and maybe even more so because then the retailers start to get desperate. They're like, oh man, we haven't quite sold enough. Uh, we got to make sure we get that stuff out the door. Ah, we got to make some extra money. This is the last weekend. You know, so they do that kind of stuff. And Black Friday, I've always said, is kind of a scam anyway because... What some retailers do, this isn't everybody, but what some retailers do is they mark stuff up a few weeks before and then they do a discount and the discount, yeah, it's it's on sale compared to maybe what the price was several weeks earlier, but really it's not that deep of a discount. Yeah, so like they'll have something that was $100. They mark it up to $130 and then they'll go, oh yeah, and it's 40% off. So sure, you're going to save some money. You're going to save like 52 bucks. So yeah, it's still going to be on sale. Absolutely. But not compared to the the 40% off that it would have been, not compared to the money you would have saved a few weeks earlier had they used that price point. So yeah, they mark stuff up just to mark it down a little extra. That is a common practice in the retail biz. Yeah, creep the price up a little bit, and then we'll we'll make it seem like it's a really big discount, but it's not that big. I don't know. People are animals. I'm just going to do a lot of my shopping online or something, or I'll go out on like a Tuesday afternoon and do my shopping. I am not going to... I'm not going to go out on Black Friday. That is the last thing. I stay in. It's just like New Year's Eve. I fear... On New Year's Eve, I always fear bullets raining down from the sky because everyone's just shooting off guns and going absolutely ape crap over the fact that we turn the calendar to a new year. And I think the same thing should apply to Black Friday. You're just afraid of mall rage and store rage and people just going nuts and shooting everybody. So I would just say, stay in on Black Friday. Just shop online. Do the Cyber Black Friday thing or Cyber Monday. You get the good discounts there, too. They deliver it to your door. You don't even have to worry about people fighting you for stuff. I don't know. That just makes more sense. I know it sounds like kind of the hermit way to do it. And it's not that I object going out. It's that I object going out into huge crowds. I am not a big fan of massive crowds and wall-to-wall people. I don't function very well in that. I don't know. I'm a dude. I think differently. I, I get it. I think differently anyway. It's not just because I'm a dude. I just think differently because I'm Michael Groff. And frankly, um, to understand this mind is something that I don't know if you really want to do that. That might be too much for you to handle. <laughs> so my thought process is always different. But I always like to think it sounds good in my head anyway. All right. What we'll do is we'll uh, take a break here. We'll come back. We have a an exciting jam-packed third segment still to get to. A lot of other stuff still going on. And there is more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Zip Code Famous. Michael Groff Show. So I remember when we were driving, driving in your car. Speed so fast, it felt like I was drunk. City lights day out before us. And your arm felt nice, wrapped around my shoulder. And I, I had a feeling that I belonged. I, I had a feeling I could be someone. Someone, be someone. All the other kids 
famous Michael Groff Show on a Tuesday, November 17th, 2015. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is also the PayPal address for this program where you can make your donations to us. The address again, Groffshow. That's G-R-O-F-F show at gmail.com via PayPal. Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter and michaelgroff.com for everything else that's related to this program. While you're at michaelgroff.com, not only can you listen to this show and past shows, but you can also comment on the show. You can tell me how much I suck right there on the site. Everybody else will see it. You'll get your little window of fame in there. Why not? I mean, everybody else does, so you might as well say it. Go on there, comment on this or any other show that we've done. Plus, you can subscribe and get email notifications every time we post a brand new edition of this program. That and a whole lot more can all be done at the one and only michaelgraff.com. Now, I'm going to read something here. This is something, it's a, it's a flashback a little bit, but uh, this was written in 2003. And you'll never guess who wrote it, but it's something that in the current sort of climate of terrorism and after everything that happened in France and all of what we've been talking about on the show for the last couple of days. It's just something that I found rather poignant. And keep in mind, this was written, published, let's see here, on March 26th, 2003. All right, here it is. Quote, this war will not put an end to anti-Americanism. It will fan the flames of hatred even higher. It will not end the threat of weapons of mass destruction. It will make possible their further proliferation. It will not lay the groundwork for the flourishing of democracy throughout the Mideast. It will harden the resolve of Arab states to drive out Western, i.e. U.S. influence. If you thought Osama bin Laden was bad, just wait until the countless children who become orphaned by U.S. bombs in the coming weeks are all grown up. Do you think they will forget what country dropped the bombs that killed their parents? In 10 or 15 years, we will look back fondly on the days when there were only a few thousand Middle Easterners dedicated to destroying the U.S. and willing to die for the fundamentalist cause. From this war, a million Bin Ladens will bloom. Now, that was written March 26, 2003, in of all places, The Onion. The satirical newspaper, the website that parodies and satirizes everything in society. I just thought that was fantastic. And of all places, The Onion is predicting the future. And they did it brilliantly. And that is exactly what happened. Think about it. People that were 8 or 10 years old back then are now 20, 22 years old. And they're sitting there going, why are these people still in my country? Why are these people still dropping bombs on us? Why are they still shooting at us? They say they're here to protect us, but I don't know. It seems a little bit weird, don't you think so? That's something and I know. I hate to bring down the third segment of the show where we usually really lighten it up. But um, I just, I found that. I thought it was particularly poignant. And um, I don't know. Who knows? Well... Don't worry, we'll get to something that's probably equally painful to talk about right now, okay? It is your favorite segment of this show where we take a look at the top 10 songs on the pop chart. More specifically, these are the 10 most played songs across radio stations in this country. The top 40 radio stations. 
And let me bring it up here. Here we go. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's good. Although, there are a couple of songs that I don't think are too bad on here. But that's your call, your judgment. All right, here we go. Number 10 is Megan Trainer. Yes. The all about that bass chick. She's back. This is Like I'm Gonna Lose You. I found myself dreaming in silver and gold. Like a scene from a movie that every broken heart knows. We were walking on moonlight and you pulled me close. Split second and you disappeared and then I was all alone. All right. I woke up in tears with you by my side. Breath of relief. At least it's not quite doo-wop like her other music. No, we're not I'm just not really a fan, but this isn't that bad. Meanwhile, number nine, it's Ex-Ambassadors Renegades. I'm kind of okay with this right here. As long as it's not hip-hop, I'm probably going to be all right with it. Or, you know, I'm. it'll be tolerable anyway. So I have to admit, whenever I pass by the pop stations, I never hear this stuff, so. Run away with me. all right number eight this this is more reminiscent of what i hear on stations regularly alicia cara this is called here i guess for now you've got the last laugh i'm sorry if i seem uninterested or i'm Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, actually, number seven is a great song. This is one of those songs that I really like. I don't even know why I like it. I just think it's cool. It's Ella King, X's with L's. And I hit the post. Because I'm a broadcast professional. I'd rather just listen to this than the rest of the pop chart. Can we just do that? Oh, wait, it is my show. I guess I could, right? So 
Selena Gomez is at number six. This is Same Old Love. What do you mean? I I thought the Bieber thing would have worn off. I thought basically once he stopped being a 15-year-old kid, I thought that was kind of going to be over with. But I guess people still like him. It's like this is one of those things. The Justin Bieber thing, the One Direction thing, that's just part of the pop culture stuff I just don't get. I don't know how we like such femme music in this country. I don't I don't get it. Alright. Number four, Ella Golding on my mind. She has a couple of songs that I'm actually kind of okay with. I don't know why. There's just, there are random pop songs that I'm actually kind of think are okay. But I'm not sure how I feel about this. really getting it i kind of like that love me like you do song and i liked her song lights i thought that was good but whatever uh taylor swift is chiming in at number three here's uh wildest dreams this is still hanging on i heard this on two different stations simultaneously actually i heard taylor swift on four stations at the same time yesterday and I've heard this song on three stations at once before in this same market. She has had the biggest success. I, I don't know where it comes from. Kanye West interrupting her some six years ago. Boy, had he not done that, maybe maybe she would never have gotten the recognition. Remember me standing in a 
right. Talk about people that are getting recognition and that are just having a career and a half right now. We talked about this on the show yesterday. It's Adele. Her uh, album, 21, was said, uh, well, Billboard says it's the greatest album ever. It's me. And this song right now, number two in the country. Hello. Everything they say the time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger. This is also number one in the lyric find category. People Everywhere. This is also the number one song in France. It's number one in. It's like number one in four different countries right now. But people look for the lyrics to this song more than any other right now. Drum roll. I found that. All right, that brings us to the number one song in the country. Believe it or not, I am a little bit surprised by this. The number one song in the country. Okay, thank you. I, I was like, man, the drum roll is not going to work now. Sean Mendes. It's Stitches. I thought that I've been hurt before But no one's ever left me quite this sore 17,178 total plays in the last seven days On radio stations across the country Now I need someone to breathe me back to life That's just on the radio Not to mention it's got uh, Got a feeling that I'm going a ton of YouTube views. Got a ton of downloads and listens on Spotify and iTunes. The pop chart isn't that bad this week. I didn't see... There's, like, no hip-hop on there, basically. Boy, we lucked out. This is the most tolerable pop chart we've had probably in, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years. We've been doing this segment off and on on this show probably, I mean, every once in a while, even back in the old days we did this, but probably since 2007 or 2008, we've kind of semi-regularly looked at the pop chart. This is about the best it's been. I mean, yeah, I don't like Taylor Swift. I'm not a fan of all the songs on it, but tolerability, listenability, not bad. Got a feeling that I'm going under, but I know that I'll make it out alive. If I quit calling you my lover, move on. You watch me bleed until I can't breathe. Shaking his 
What's your pop chart? Not bad. All right. Well, there you go. I'll take it. And that'll about do it. I think uh, on that note, we can actually get out of here on a happy note. Sometimes after I listen to the pop chart, I get really mad at society. I get really mad at the radio biz. I get really mad at music. I'm kind of mad at the radio biz because we're already starting the Christmas music stuff today. That's kind of upsetting to me. Because now I know that everywhere I go, I'm going to hear it. But hey, we already got you in the mood for that earlier in the show. Did some uh, Christmas stuff. Maybe we should use a Christmas song to close out the show. You know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to you. I want you to leave on a happy note just like me. And, you know, I kind of want you to listen again because that's important, too. All right. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. You can always send your comments, suggestions, questions, anything like that to me personally via my email. I I get it right to my phone. So whatever you have to say, if you want to write me a novella like we read yesterday... Whatever, compliments, complaints, suggestions, anything, right there to my email, groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal for this program. So you can donate to this show via PayPal, groffshow, G-R-O-F-F show at gmail.com. Not to mention, Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter. Use that. Take advantage of that. That sounds great. And michaelgroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. While you're over there, click on the subscribe button, and every time we do a brand new show, you'll get email notification. Yes, I mentioned this several times per podcast because, hey, information's a powerful thing. It's the one and only michaelgroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Good night, everybody.